With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome back to the John Clay Podcast. I'm John Clay, sports columnist with the Lexington Arrow Leader and Kentucky.com. On today's podcast, we're going to do two, we're going to cover two subjects on this podcast. We're going to review the Kentucky-Tennessee football game, Kentucky falling in heartbreaker 45-42 to the visiting volunteers on Saturday night at Kroger Field. The loss dropped Kentucky to 6-3 and three overall and 4-3 and three in the SEC. Mark Stoops' team is currently on a three-game losing streak. And it, But on Tuesday night, Kentucky basketball opens up their season against the Duke Blue Devils in the Champions Classic up at Madison Square Garden in New York. And to talk about both of those things, I talk with my fellow sports columnist at the Arrow Leader, Mark Story. So let's get right to it. My conversation with Mark Story about Kentucky football and Kentucky basketball. Okay, my guest now on the podcast is my friend, colleague, fellow Herald Leader sports columnist, Mark Story. How's it going, Mark? It's going good, John. Uh, Kentucky-Tennessee football, uh, exciting game, thrilling game, back and forth, but a very disappointing ending uh, for Kentucky to lose 45-42. Uh, as you wrote in your column, uh, Kentucky, even though they gave up 45 points, they still had plenty of chances to, to win. And as you wrote, a lot of what-ifs in this game. Yeah, there were. And, you know, it, it's it's interesting. And, you know, having thought about the game, I think Kentucky's game management at the end of both halves sort of got it beat you know it's the the first half you know they it's Tennessee scores with you know just over a minute to go to tie it at 21 and Kentucky is going to get the ball to start the second half so you know obviously you, you want you know it would be great to score points you would sort of be stealing a possession almost if you could score but the most important thing you know people you know I people conventional you know People always want coaches to be super aggressive, you know, right before the end of the half. But to me, the most important thing is not to screw up. That, you know, sort of getting in a hole is far more worrisome development right before half than it is, you know, to, to score. And, you know, Kentucky got the ball, I think, second and four at the Tennessee, I don't know, 38 or 39. And then, you know, had three straight incomplete passes that, you know, not only did you not advance the ball, you know, you were stopping the clock and they left Tennessee just enough time to, you know, drive it down and kick a field goal. And that wound up being the difference in the game. And, you know, I think Kentucky, you know, you know, Mark Stoops said after the game, you know, he wishes he had punted. And I think if you, you know, back Tennessee up, they, you know, maybe would have just run out the clock. 
And even if you kick it in the end zone, they're at the 20. So it would have been a little, maybe that extra distance would have been, been the difference in terms of them not being able to get it into field goal range. So, you know, that ended up being crucial. And then at the end of the game, Kentucky has it first and 10 at the Tennessee 38 down three, you know, 45, 42. And to me, you, I mean, the, the first thing you have got to do there is get the ball into field goal range because, you know, that way you're secure. And once you do that, you know, then you can, you know, try to win the game. And, you know, they, they four straight incomplete passes didn't advance it at all. And that was pretty much the ball game. Yeah. In the first half on the first half, uh, you know, yeah, they had a fourth and four at the end of the first half there. It's fourth and four at the 39 looking here at the play by play, you know, through the incompletion, turned the ball over on downs with just 16 seconds left. But the way Tennessee had moved the ball in the first half, you know, anywhere you give them the ball, you know, if that in that field position, that's still pretty good field position, even with that, you know, even with 16 seconds left. So, uh, yeah, I, you know, Mark said, well, I thought we could convert it. Uh, which yeah, but uh, <laughs> what if you don't convert it? Which is, which is what happened. You know what happened on that play, um, and and the three with well, really the first in that yeah they had a second and fourth to thirty nine in the first pass of those three incompletions should have been intercepted. Tennessee dropped right. an interception uh, on a bad throw for a bad throw by Levis. But uh, and, and coaches talk about the middle eight, and in this thing, you know the last four minutes of the first half and the first four minutes of the second half and Kentucky did get the ball, you know, and drive down and score on the first possession of the second half, but giving Tennessee those three points there, when you combine that with, they gave them um, uh, seven points on the pick six, you know, that those turned out to be pretty big points there. And then there, and then, and then there was actually one other on Kentucky's first uh, possession of the, um, of the fourth quarter. Uh, they went for it on fourth and eight at the Tennessee 42, and Levis got sacked, mm-hmm. and lost 11 yards in a play where, you know, obviously it would have been far better to throw that ball away and just rather than take a big sack. But, you know, then Tennessee scored, you know, had, had a short field, inherited the ball in the Kentucky 47 and scored in three plays. And yeah. you can argue that Kentucky, you know, gave them you know, or certainly, well, they certainly, the pick six was, and then the, the field goal in the first half, and then that touchdown, you know, was enhanced by Kentucky, you know, giving Tennessee incredibly favorable field position by going for and failing on fourth downs. And, you know, I understand in a way because you're in this huge track meet and you feel like if you don't hold serve, right. you know, you, you may not be able to get it back. But, you know, yeah, in retrospect, good. yeah, in retrospect, you know, I think, you know, those, those, Two fourth down decisions really, really hurt. Yeah. What about this Kentucky defense? Uh, so good the first five games, four to five games of the season. Uh, now, obviously having its troubles, 31 points down to Mississippi State, 38 points. We'll, we'll take away the pick six, but Tennessee, 38 points and just a little, you know, not even 14 minutes of possession time on Saturday. Is it the injuries? Is it just that Kentucky was not – it was the speed and tempo of the Tennessee offense that just gave Kentucky so much problems? Or, or like I said, are, are the injuries catching up with this defense? Well, I think it's some of both. I mean, I think you have to give Tennessee credit. I think Hendon Hooker played really well. And Tennessee, as Tennessee always seems to do, has good receivers. Right. You know, I, I, it would be interesting to me to know why 
Josh Heupel started the year with Joe Milton as his quarterback and not Hendon Hooker. I never did get that one. Well, you know, not to interrupt you here, but on the podcast that we did with the a preview podcast and with Jimmy Himes, I asked Jimmy the same question. He said what he was been told is Joe Milton was a great practice player who can't carry it over to the game. And it took him a couple of games to, to figure that <laughs> to out. To figure that out. <laughs> Decided that, okay, that Joe Milton we're seeing in practice is not the same guy we're seeing on the field during games. So that's why they went with Hooker because they, I was curious about the same thing because Hooker just seems so much better. Yeah, and you know Kentucky obviously played against him in the Belk Bowl when he was at Virginia Tech, and I thought he was good. You know, I thought he was. I, I thought he played well in that game. So I've always thought, you know, I'm, I've always thought he's a good quarterback, and was surprised that you know Virginia Tech, you know, didn't just ride with him. But right. to get back to the Kentucky defense, I do think the injuries, you know, up front, you know, they basically were, you know, Saturday night they're down three of their, you know, front seven guys right. with Jordan Ride out. Marquan McCall and Octavius Oxendine. And I don't think this is just North Harden um, or just me praising my fellow North Harden alone, but the defense hadn't been the same since Oxendine got hurt. And, you know, I don't know if it's a case of just not having anybody else that can play that position or somehow just the chemistry was thrown off. But, you know, it's amazing how well that defense, you know, played. It was carrying the team, you know, for the first part of the year. And the past defense, the last three games, you know, they're, the quarterbacks are 65 of 79 with eight touchdowns and no interceptions in the last three games against Kentucky. And, you know, obviously Hooker's good and Mississippi State, you know, Will Rogers was good. And, you know, Georgia's good. You know, Georgia's the best team in the country. But still, that, that I mean, that's just, that's not very good. <laughs> no, last two games of 51 of 59 uh, between Rogers and Hendon Hooker. The other thing is this, uh, talking about the secondary, Kentucky's 16 interceptions last year. I think they were tied for third in the nation with uh, in that total. Uh, this year, three. Uh, I think only three FBS teams uh, in all of the 130 teams have fewer interceptions than Kentucky. Is that a product of a not a very good pass rush, especially with those guys out? Or is this? I mean, you know, Mark said last night about the inexperience of the secondary, but uh, they're not. To me, they're not that inexperienced. You're talking about guys like <clears throat> Corker, who's played a lot of football here. Dort, Devontae Robinson, Mosley. Uh, I know yep. Valentine is relatively new. They're playing a couple other guys. Tisdale hasn't played a whole lot uh, before this year. But I wouldn't call this a very inexperienced secondary. No, on the contrary, it's actually quite experienced. I mean, they're basically starting seniors, everybody, but um, but Valentine. Now they are, you know, they're the the second group. The backups are young, but no, it's a very experienced secondary. And you know, the thing that's been interesting to me, you know, I thought the line, I thought early in the year the linebackers and the safeties were really, really good, mm-hmm. and really starting in the Georgia game, it doesn't feel to me like they've. That you know they've played nearly as well in the middle of the field, mm-hmm. and I just I don't know if the the injuries up front you know is creating you know if there's kind of you know shock waves or you know a unintended effect, yeah. yeah residual impact of those injuries is somehow impacting the guys farther back, but I don't feel like the linebacking or the safety play has been nearly what it was early in the year. Well, last night, Mark was asked after the game about the Tennessee rip, not only in the passing game, but they ripped off some long runs, especially in the middle of the field. And he said part of the problem was the wide splits that the Tennessee 
receivers, uh, you know, they have those wide splits that a lot of times take the safety out or makes the safety, uh, you know, have to make a decision about whether he wants to go wide to the field uh, to play the receivers or if he's going to stay more towards the middle of the field. But, I mean, this Tennessee had played eight games coming in here. They did eight games. I know I can understand the, okay, to some degree, okay, they play really fast and you can't you can't really assimilate that in practice. But where the safeties line up, you've had eight games of film to watch and come up with a plan for that. And, you know, they really hurt them. It wasn't just the passing game. They really hurt them on some run plays last night as well, where it seems like either the linebackers or safeties were out of position. Yeah, they did. And, you know, it's not like Mark Stoops has never defended that offense because, you know, they beat Josh Heupel twice when Josh was running the offense at Missouri. So, you know, it's, um, yeah, I mean, it was uh, – <laughs> it was it was it was yet another frustrating uh, frustrating Tennessee. night and the litany of Kentucky football heartbreak against uh, Tennessee. Yeah. Okay. Now they got now we got three games left in the regular season. Uh, Vanderbilt on the road this Saturday. New Mexico State at home. Then Louisville on the road. Uh, you know, I wrote. I think the shine is kind of off this season now. Uh, with these, you know, they can't get the ten win regular season, which would have been the first time since '77. I think you know, no way they're going to make a you know New Year's Six bowl uh, or anything like that. What what about the rest of the season? Do you? I mean, if you're Mark Stoops, do you worry about this team uh, trying to motivate this team and get this team back up for the rest of the year, or do you think that's a problem? Not going to be a problem. No, I, I, if I were Mark Stoops and on paydays, I'd like to be. Um, <laughs> uh, I would be worried about just motivation, and you know this Vanderbilt game. I think is a little bit worrisome. It actually reminds me a little bit of the 2003 Kentucky Vanderbilt game when Kentucky came off that seven overtime loss to Arkansas and Vandy had lost 23 SEC games in a row and Kentucky, you know, went in there and just had nothing in the tank and Vandy beat them. And one of the most memorable things I've ever seen, there were no Vandy students there at all for most right. of the game <laughs> with about four minutes to go. They started rolling in and it was apparent Vanderbilt was going to win the game. So then they rushed the field and tore down the goalposts right. because they'd ended that long losing streak. Well, Vandy has lost 18 SEC games in a row this time. And Kentucky is coming off a draining emotional loss to Tennessee, the kind of game that, you know, can create a hangover right. and Vandy, you know, Vandy's had a week off and, you know, I think the Kentucky fans, and I know I tend to think of Kentucky as having separated itself from Vanderbilt, but, you know, it was a three-point game last year in Lexington, and they've had a week off. And, as, you know, they've, they've had some bad games, but they, they played South Carolina to within a point, and they were down two to Missouri with like three minutes to go in the game before Missouri scored a clinching touchdown. You know, I don't, you know, I don't know that you can just take this completely for granted that, you know, this is going to be an easy, an easy uh, game for UK. Right, right. Why is it that Kentucky had a hard time coming off their off week, but Tennessee had no problem? And now you worry about Vanderbilt being able to do the same thing <laughs> coming into Saturday. Uh, yeah, that, yeah, oh, that, yeah. I don't. I'm like you. I'm. I think Mark Stoops. If I'm Mark Stoops, I am worried about this. This has been a tough stretch. They've gone through a draining game, and you know, I'm sure you know there'll be some that think, oh, well, we can just roll. Uh, you know, show up on the field and beat Vanderbilt, and that may not be the case, especially in Nashville. Yeah, yeah and the other thing that you know, among many ramifications of not pulling that game out last night, if they beat Tennessee, Kentucky fans would have been stoked and they would have taken over 
Vanderbilt Stadium. Right. And and now, I mean, I'm sure there'll be more UK fans than Vandy fans. There almost always are, but I don't know that it'll be. Yeah, I don't know that it will be as decisive in the stands as it would otherwise have been. Yeah. Okay, let's switch gears here uh, and talk some uh, basketball because we have the uh, opener, Kentucky basketball opener, coming up Tuesday night against uh, Duke. And after this break, we'll talk about the Champions Classic. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, back here with Mark Story, my fellow uh, sports columnist at the Herald Leader at Kentucky.com. Mark, Kentucky Duke on Tuesday night, 9.30 start, probably later than that after the Kansas-Michigan State game. Uh, We have seen Kentucky play two exhibition games. Uh, We were both there at Rep Arena and saw the exhibition games uh, against uh, Kentucky Wesleyan and then Miles College. What what were your impressions of Kentucky so far after those uh, two, uh, two games at Rep? Well, I was really impressed. I think Kentucky's going to have good guard play. You know, I think you know they have veteran guards. You know, they also have a really good freshman guard in Ty Ty Washington. I think the guard play is going to be the strength of this team and a huge improvement over the team Kentucky had last year. Uh, I'm still a little bit concerned about the UK front line. I still, you know, from you know drawing a, a major conclusion here from two exhibition games, I still don't know that I see, you know, the guy that you just post down there on the block that you can throw it into and sort of go to for a basket when you absolutely have to have it. You know, I really like Oscar Shibway in a lot of ways, but, you know, I'm not sure that that's necessarily his game. I think he's probably going to be more of a you know, rebound putback kind of guy. So, you know, that to me is still still a question mark for Kentucky. Yeah, uh, when he had 12 rebounds the other night against Miles College, but he only took, I think, three or four shots. I think it was two or five from the foul line. Yeah, now he's uh, in his defense, he's been out some practice time because of a hip injury. But uh, what did you think at halftime the other night when Kentucky was trailing Miles College, a Division II team? Uh, Miles College had made 11 of 15 threes in the first half. Do you think that that was a product of bad defense by Kentucky, or do you Miles was just hitting some ridiculous shots? I think it was a little bit of both. I'm not sure Kentucky – I think Kentucky was a little flat coming into that game and maybe wasn't expecting to be challenged in quite the way it was. And, you know, some miles just got – you know, they got hot and just, you know, sort of rode the wave for a while. 
you know, I, I counted, I think, 12 people that I identified as Miles College fans in the Rupp Arena stands. <laughs> and I thought that, and I thought they should have rushed the court at halftime. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Because it wasn't going to get any better than that, that's for sure. Uh, to be up. Well, what about Kentucky defensively? In the first game in Wesleyan, I thought their post-defense was atrocious. They basically, especially when Oscar was in the game, they didn't play any post-defense. And then they had trouble playing three-point defense uh, on Friday night against Miles. Is that something to worry about, or is that just something that's going to have to come along with uh, this t- particular team? I think this team has the tools to be a good defensive team. I guess my, my, my one concern would be, other than Oscar, you know, I don't know that they have you know, big bodies, they're still right. kind of long and lean. And I worry a little bit about, you know, team, if Oscar's in foul trouble, which I suspect he may well be from time to time, you know, I worry a little bit about teams being able to muscle them. But, you know, they have, you know, really good length on the perimeter. I think it should be a good defensive team. You know, maybe, you know, I don't, obviously, you know, I don't know what their emphasis has been in the, the preseason and, you know, they've talked about they're going to play differently offensively. So, you know, maybe they've spent more time on offense. What about what, of what we know about Duke? What, what, how do you, what do you know? What do you think about Tuesday's matchup between the two teams? Well, it's interesting. Uh, I'm getting ready to do the matchups, and I realized I don't know that I know that much at this point about Duke. Yeah. I'm very anxious, I'm sure, like everybody else, to see Paulo Benchero, who the freshman from Seattle, 6'10", 250, supposed to be incredibly multi-skilled, you know, big player, right. a player that Kentucky really wanted and recruited really hard. I'm, I'm very anxious to get to see him. Right. What about Coach K, this being his last year? I believe this is his last game at Madison Square Garden. Uh, what kind of effect do you think that'll have on the game? Well, you know, I think there could be – I think there – could be some a farewell tour effect. You know, you wonder subconsciously if it impacts the officials. That you know, it's a lot of these guys. You know, last year, you know, last you know, every 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 venue could be kind of the last with right. you know with Coach K could be the last time he coaches against Kentucky. And you know, it's right. interesting. Duke and Kentucky don't play very often, right. but you know, they've obviously had some incredibly memorable games. You know, the the Leitner game and. You know, and and you know, Chishevsky, I thought, you know, was incredibly respectful to the Kentucky team and the way he handled, you know, that and coming on the radio with Kaywood Ledford to talk directly to the Kentucky fans to you know express, you know, his admiration for how UK had played. Right. And then a game that I think doesn't get enough attention nationally, and really I don't even know that it, that people in Kentucky embrace it as much they should was the 98 game in the, in the regional finals when Kentucky sort of got its revenge for the late year game and you know, came from 17 down inside the last 10 minutes to win an elite eight game, just, you know, a tremendous Kentucky run late in that game. And, and, and again, I thought, you know, Krzyzewski handled that very graciously and, you know, for all the, all the, Higher, he seems to raise in the Kentucky fans. I think he's always been, you know, pretty, pretty, pretty respectful of UK. Right. Yeah. No, I do too. And like you said, very much so after the after the Leitner game and in what happened after that game, especially immediately after the game. Yeah. Yeah. Very. You know. Very much so. What about? Do you think that this game on Tuesday be the, it's the first game of the season? But obviously, you're playing a very good opponent. Although it is the first game for Duke as well. I think Duke only has played one exhibition game uh, leading up to this game. Will this tell us a lot about this Kentucky 
team, or will this you just okay? You know, it's an interesting game. We'll you'll we'll see some good points and some bad points, but uh, it's a long way until March. So don't read too much into it. I think it's important for Kentucky just because they're coming in off a nine and sixteen season, yeah. and if they look good, I think it helps you turn the page on that. But otherwise, no, I don't think it's you know it's so long to march. Think about the last time Kentucky and Duke played in the Champions Classic. <laughs> Kentucky games don't want to think right, about that. Many don't Kentucky even fans, sure don't even bring have it blocked, up. <laughs> have, have blocked that out. A game where Duke won both halves, fifty-nine to forty-two, which came out to one hundred and eighteen to eighty-four. Right. You know, but the thing about that, you know, as great as Duke looked that night and as bad as Kentucky looked, both teams wound up losing in the Elite Eight. Right. So both teams will end up going to the exact same spot in March. So, you know, whatever happens in the Champions Classic, it's, you know, it's bragging rights and it's, you know, it's a fun way to start the season. But I don't think it is, I don't think it's likely to have tell you much that, you know, about what these teams will be in March. Yeah. Uh, one other question, Mark, before I let you go, our college basketball preview came out uh, on s- Sunday as we record this Sunday night in the print edition of the Herald Leader. And uh, you can read it online or read many of the stories. They'll be rolling out some more as the week goes along of our, uh, of our stories there. Uh, what, who else in college basketball are you interested to see besides Kentucky and Duke this year? Are there any teams in particular that you're looking forward to checking out? I'm interested in Texas just with Chris Beard brought in a bunch of transfers. I'm interested to see how that meshes. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm very into Kentucky basketball in the state of Kentucky. I'm anxious to see what Moorhead does, you know, coming off their NCAA tournament trip. Janai Broom, their freshman star of a year ago, is now a sophomore. I'm curious to see, you know, what he's added to his game or if he can avoid the sophomore slump and all that. You know, um, I'm interested in the SEC. I think the Southeastern Conference has a chance to be really good. Um, I think there can be a lot of good teams. I think the depth is you know pretty deep mm-hmm. and uh, you know I, I think it's going to be a really interesting sec season what about i ran into uh, your friend of mine carl park the other day and carl said uh, very enthusiastic about another good year uh, at eastern uh, for aw hamilton what about the colonels no aw has done a good job there and you know he is a resourceful coach because you know he lost his two best players in the transfer portal and he admitted that, that was hard to take initially, but then he got busy himself and you know, worked the portal hard and brought in, you know, two big player, big men from Marshall and, you know, brought in, you know, Braxton Beverly, who seems like he's been playing basketball since, yeah. you know, seems like he <laughs> was playing in the eighties. He wasn't, but you know, this, he's using his COVID year, which I assume is his sixth year and uh, be playing point guard at Eastern and, yeah, and you know they're going into the A Sun, which is a pretty good basket. You know, Liberty has been the dominant team in that league in men's basketball. You know, last year Bellarmine transitioning just in the second year this year of their transition, and they finished second in the league. And, you know, Eastern and Bellarmine, you know, it may become kind of a a, a big A Sun basketball rivalry. Yeah, yeah, it should be fun. It should be interesting. Well, I'm happy that college basketball is starting, and but I'm also very interested to see how Kentucky closes out their football season. Uh, we will have Mark Stoops' press conference on Monday. Mark and I will both be there for that. And then on Tuesday, Kentucky-Duke, 9.30 on Tuesday night, uh, probably a little later than that. Uh, we'll both be uh, tweeting and uh, writing about that, um, what's going on up in New York. So look for that. Be sure and follow Mark on Twitter at Mark C. Story. And Mark, as always, 
thanks for being on the podcast. Thank you, John. Okay, that'll do it for this edition of the John Clay Podcast. My thanks, as always, to Mark Story for being on the podcast. Follow Mark on Twitter at Mark C. Story. Check him out in the Herald Leader and on Kentucky.com. Also, check out my Kentucky Duke Basketball Preview Podcast, where I talk with Steve Wiseman of the Raleigh News and Observer, who gave us a scouting report on the Duke Blue Devils. And I also talk with Jerry Tipton of the Lexington Herald Leader, who covers UK basketball for a scouting report on the Wildcats. So be sure and check out that podcast as well. You can find that podcast as well as all the John Clay podcasts on on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Tuned In, Google Podcasts, and iHeartRadio Podcasts. Leave us a rating and review. We really appreciate that. That helps us out. We appreciate everybody who supports our work at the Lexington Herald Leader and Kentucky.com. And you can support our work by getting the Sports Pass, sports only digital subscription. It's $30 for the first year. All of our UK football, UK basketball, UK recruiting columns by Mark and myself. High school coverage, horse racing, all for $30 for the first year. Go to the top of my Twitter feed. You can follow me on Twitter at John Clay IV. You'll find all the information on the pinned tweet at the top of my feed. Click on that. It'll give you everything you need to know. Or just go to Kentucky.com. Hit on the subscription tab. Check out all of the subscription offers for Kentucky.com and the Lexington Herald Leader. My thanks again to Mark Story. As I said, we'll have plenty of coverage this week leading up to the football game on Saturday, and we'll have plenty of coverage before, during, and after the basketball game on Tuesday night, Kentucky against Duke. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next time on the John Clay Podcast.